Welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 105. Me host ID3 Fighters on third. Tonight's panels are Kendrick Bullard and Buddy Thornton, the positive social change agent pro. Kendrick Bullard, please tell us the people. We appreciate everybody that's out there. We've got some buzzwords in place, but we just want to say thank you for allowing us to express ourselves from the bottom to the top of our heart. Absolutely. And Buddy, the positive social change agent pro. Tell us people. Thank you for letting me come back on your uh, podcast, Isaiah. And uh, good evening, Kendrick. And we are ready to enjoy the night. We are. With that being said, the word for tonight is relevant. Our title tonight, though, is 100 and Beyond Anti-Bullying Campaign Addressing Bullying Through Moral Engagement. Implementing Moral Engagement and Bullying Prevention and Intervention Strategies Can Promote a Positive School Climate So Everyone Feels Safe and More Connected. This is vital. It is vital that we seriously look at or create models that help prevent bullying. These models can implement successful bullying prevention and intervention strategies that are systematic and reliable so everyone understands what bullying is and how it will be handled. Bullying prevention strategies should make it clear to students that their teachers and other school staff are morally engaged and that bullying will be noticed and consistently addressed. When bullying occurs, teachers and school staff can defend the target of bullying by reinforcing their humanity and intrinsic worth, which helps to cultivate moral engagement and reduce victim blaming. Tonight, we will have a very thorough, a very thorough discussion about addressing bullying through moral engagement. You know, first I want to pull from Buddy Thornton, Positive Social Change Agent Pro. Buddy, you know, you are in the field of mediation as it relates to families, uh, mediating uh, conflict resolution. So when I ask you to, you know, help and join in on this campaign, this movement, anti-bullying prevention, what, uh, you know, how did, what was your first thought? You know, be honest, be transparent, and how did it make you feel? And, and what kind of passion did, did you pull from that that made this topic relevant for what you're doing in your organization? Isaiah, I think in the short term, because of COVID, there's been a huge increase in bullying and abuse dynamics uh, not only around the schools, uh, but schools have been out. Kids have been doing schooling from home. And so they're really in a microcosm, and they're really in a very, very, very shrunk environment. 
So any type of microaggressive behavior can come across as bullying. And so as we enter a phase where kids are going to start going back to school, they're going to be hyper vigilant. They're going to be so in tune with anything that is going to prop up, jump in their sphere of, of awareness, and it's going to make them really overreact in a very, very uh, aggressive manner. So bullying becomes not only an issue, but being a victim and avoiding being a victim becomes a huge issue, and it's something that the staff and parents are going to have to be aware of, and that's something that when you brought the topic to me, it's something that I was already dealing with, especially from the moral perspective of what is the responsibility beyond just normal safety and security? What is our moral responsibility to teach these kids? What are the limitations and what are the boundaries that we need to understand so that we can make sure they're prepared and understand that they're going to be in an unusual situation that, for lack of a better way of saying it, our country hasn't been involved in for at least 100 years since the last pandemic. Wow. Wow. You know, when you say that, that in tune, that being aware, that awareness is so crucial. And why is it so crucial? Well, because there's a difference between, I believe there's a, a huge difference or a huge divide that is distinguished between bullying and hazing, right? And so, there, there are, of course, there are laws, right, against bullying, but, but hazing is something, you know, a little bit, a, a little bit more different, hazing is, right? And I believe hazing, does not um, give the, the mental uh, trauma that bullying gives, I believe, because bullying is a repeated uh, action of aggression over a period of time, and it, it's a wrestle between powers. It's an imbalance of power, right? And you have to have a victim uh, in bullying, and, and oftentimes you have to have a bystander, someone that's, that's experiencing this bullying activity along with the victim and the bully themselves. And so, you know, the bullying has more of a symptom than hazing does. And, and so the signs of, of, of bullying are, um, I believe, missing belongings. You know, a child or someone is, is taking belongings from you, whether it's stealing it, hiding it, or whatever, they took it without your permission, right? And then also unexplained injuries, right? Whether you see where the injury came from or who did it or not, but it's an unexplained injury. And then uh, a lot of times bullying can cause you to lose friends or friendship, right? Because maybe they don't want to stand up for you. Uh, maybe they do, right? And then we also see other symptoms of bullying as declining grades, right? And or, or even being self-destructive. So as parents, as educators, as leaders, this is a very crucial topic. This is a very sensitive, sensitive topic. Uh, buddy, thank you for that. Let me go to KB, Kendra Bullock. I want to ask you kind of like the same question. When, when I presented uh, this topic, this campaign to you about bullying and about some of the uh, prevention strategies and, and just how you feel and why is this relevant in your life, you know, what was your thoughts? What came to mind for you? 
I guess the first thing I'd like, the first thing that really came to mind is maybe we need to redefine bullying because, as I mean, I'll, I'll get to the point in a minute and get, definitely get to your question, but let's redefine what bullying's about. The words matter. Can we, I think we can all agree to that. Now, the other piece is, instead of calling it a pro-bully or an anti-bullying campaign, why don't we create something that's going to allow us to create a pro-friendship campaign of some sort? Because if you explore the possibilities or explore the intricacies of being a friend, it takes away the mentality of being a bully and being bullied. In other words, words matter. For me, it's about being able to know that each word that we identify is really a metaphor and uh, has the ability to manifest. So a pro-friendship campaign is probably the best thing that I came up with. Now, if we come up with something better, that'd be great. But you got to understand how, how, how these systems work. If everything's energy, we already know that. I think we can agree to that. Uh, the short story is, you know, with me being an electrical engineer, I'm able to understand everything from an energetic level. So what that means, words have power. Negative, negative words have negative, a, a negative level of power. Positive words have a positive level of power and it has more. Here's what you got to really tie it back to your DNA. Your DNA and the computer system are electrical connections. Matter of fact, the computer system model and how it runs electronically is made just like your DNA. The only problem with that is your DNA is more powerful. Your DNA and the computer have the ability to respond to words, words that matter. Now, I can come back and I can give you factual information to prove that, but just take my word for it. Words, the fundamental words matter because it affects our DNA structure. And the DNA is actually a, a system it's, a, it's an electronic system that's tied to every computer system. Now, you guys may have not have heard this word called algorithm. Algorithm. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say it faster. Algorithm. And what that does is those are systems. Those systems allow us to be able to say and do things based on the, the words. So, in other words... It is a program. That program allows us to be able to to, to decide. That 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 system of programs allows us to be able to use the voice. And each voice has the ability. I know I'm going long, but I apologize. No, but you got no, no, because Kevin, Kevin, I wanted I wanted to say this. Listen to this. I want to say this because you. You hit me with you hit me with a lot of tears, a lot of factors, and then you brought DNA to it. And I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, I, I, you, you caught me on the whole 
on the whole friendship thing, okay? Because when you talk, when you start talking about friendship, when you talk about saying show yourself friendly and having a friendship movement, you know, of course we want that, but that's not what this is about. Because statistically, we, we have seen, and I'm gonna come to the statistics, but let me say this. What you said was powerful, I have to give you that. It was definitely powerful, but friendship is, is a display. Friendship is um, an, an image, it's an imagination, it is a, a illustration, it's a, it's a portrait of brotherly love, of sisterly love, of brotherhood, of sisterhood, and what, and what that should look like, right? in a perfect world and because we know humans humans need relationship i don't care you know how bad you think this person is they need relationship it's it's unhealthy for an individual to be by themselves all the time without any social interaction statistically speaking okay we're talking about statistics on bullying now Statistics on bullying suggest that 28% of students from grades 6 to 12 have a history of being the victim of bullying, while 30% of high school students acknowledge having bullied other students. About 10 to 14% of children have been the victim of bullying for more than six months. Most victims of cyberbullying have also been victims of school bullying. So it goes hand in hand, seemingly. Maybe they know who these children are, maybe they don't. Maybe it's a hacker. I know that's your field. Boys tend to engage in bullying more often than girls, especially at high schools, high school ages and beyond. And um, listen, they're more, they're much more likely to engage in physical or verbal bullying, physically and verbally, while girls are more often engaged in, watch this here, relational bullying. Basically saying, don't talk to her. Leave her alone. Let her sit by herself. I think that will psychologically mess someone up even more than physical bullying. Studies also show that teachers often underestimate how much bullying is occurring at their school. Since then, they only see about 4% of most bullying cases. This is what this report is saying. Further victims of bullying only reported to school adults one-third of the time. Right, because of embarrassment, because of they think that they can find another strategy of getting themselves out of the situation, right? But this bullying, like I said earlier, like Buddy said earlier, occurs much too often and is a repeated offense. Buddy said in another podcast, it's criminal. I, I have to agree with him. I mean, I know kids are growing up, but I believe that that is, you know, a criminal offense because more than, and then it goes on into adulthood. KB, more than 40% of workers in the United States experience bullying in the workplace. More than 90% of working women are estimated to believe they have been under undermined by another woman at some time in their career. We're in the military. We were in the military. KB, you've seen it. With that, with those stats, with those stats, KB, because I'm about to go come at you but it's going to possibly change age bro. But I want to give KB an opportunity to speak on that. Well, I appreciate you, and I do understand how stats may be out there, but you got to understand, stats only matter if we believe it. Now, the stats may say one thing, so that, that probably means that we need to go in a different direction. I'm not saying that 
what's happening is not detrimental, but we can get out of it by being a whole lot more empathetic. Words matter. I do get that. Physical words matter. But even more so, just on a physical level, we're talking about bullying with kids. Train the kids to to allow them to express themselves. Matter of fact, train the kids to be to be able to ex, uh, express themselves in uh, in ways where it allows them to be open instead of in 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 one or fifty percent of. Well, you know what? Let me go back to this real quick. Allow the kids. To, to get a level of experience that they don't have right now. I'm not saying if we allowed, though, if we taught compassion of the heart, everything else, all these issues that we're having, planetary issues, all these things that we're saying that affect the educational system will go away because the heart is what controls. The heart has an electrical connection that's 10 times faster and 10 times more potent and has 10 times more calculations than than the thing, than, than the head. I'm just saying that if we focus on the inner side, we can do everything we want to do and more. And it'll push if we work on, on, on being nice to people. You can call it whatever you want. But if we work on being nice and working at, and giving a level of inner work to ourselves and the people, you won't have to worry about those things. Now, we can, those those stats are twisted a little bit, but I, we can come back and talk about that. The only reason why I'm saying those stats are twisted is because uh, when, I mean, there are other factors that can happen that directly impact what we just talked about, all those different steps. But the bottom line is, I'm going to give you an example of how stats are twisted. We already know uh, that a lot of things, if you look at, you know, criminal, criminal records, most people live within a certain region of those criminal records. But if somebody spins it the right way, they'll be able to sell it and get money based on the fact that, you know, there's a fear. There's a fear effect in that. I'm not saying it's the right or wrong thing to do, but statistically, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. Okay. I'm not the KB, guy. This, yes, sir. KB, this, this is my thing. If everybody had your heart, we'd be in a, we'd be in a better world. If your heart could multiply, right? We wouldn't even be having this conversation. Everybody does have my heart. We just gotta show let me, let me. That's all we're doing. I know. I, I love, listen, I, I love your passion. I love your passion. Let me let me come back to you. Let me come back to you. Let me come back to you. Uh, let me go back to Buddy Thornton Project Social Change as a pro. Um, you know, obviously, you're both passionate about this topic. So am I. Uh, because our, our children matter, our, our teachers matter, our, our leaders matter, our, our communities matter, our world, our world that we live in and that 
our children's children are living in matters, right? So we have to address these um, topics. We have to address these circumstances, these situations, especially now. Now that we are um, we're at the cuff of school reentry into 2021 to 2022 school term, okay? So much uncertainty, so much, um, I hate to say, just un- not enough guidance, right? Because how can we be guiding something that we've never been in, right? So it's unfair to expect things from people that they have never been trained for, right? And so we're talking about bullying, okay? And we're talking about some of the, well, I guess right now we're kind of talking about some of the symptoms, right? And some of the warning signs like um, headaches. Child comes home, they're constantly having headaches. Never had a headache before. Stomach aches, never had stomach aches before. They won't stay home from school. Right, loss of appetite, wetting the bed, dizziness, and anxiety, sadness. Don't want to talk. Right, you take them out to eat at a restaurant, and you look at them after they they, they wipe their mouth after food. You see blood on the on the napkin. Okay, these are signs of bullying. Okay, why is your lip bleeding? Right? You can only bite your lips so many times. All these lead up to suicidal thoughts. Right? And it started from what? Nightmares. It started from tiredness, wanting to sleep. I mean, when you see your child changing their moods, these are signs. When you start seeing your child going to depression, even substance abuse, these are signs. These are signs. And with that being said, I really want, and KB, I'm coming back to you because I want to hear more. I, I really want to just, you know, I want to go straight in and, and get what I need to give to the people so that they can hear it and they can use these resources, they can use these tools. Uh, school leaders can build these curriculums based off of what you're saying and what the information you're sharing. And so I want to thank you for that too. But uh, Buddy Thornton, the Positive Social Change is a pro. You know, what years, based off of the conversation tonight and your research and your expertise, you know, what years should uh, parents or educators first expect to see the onset of moral engagement and bullying prevention intervention strategies? Now, what does that mean? So when should they, when they, when should they start, when should parents start utilizing moral engagement for bullying prevention strategies or intervention strategies? for a, a child? When, what age should we start introducing our children to um, bully prevention uh, strategies uh, of how to uh, escape, how to navigate around uh, bullying, and even even being a bystander, and definitely being a victim, or even being a bully themselves? What time in the child's developmental stage should we start looking at introducing these, these practices to our adolescents, to our children? I guess that would be my question for you. Isaiah, when you first sent me this question, when I read it, the question ended with the word adolescence. And the first thing that went through my mind was, I know that has to be a misprint. Because if we wait until children are adolescents to address bullying, we are missing years 
almost a decade of years of being able to teach them so many things about pro-social behavior. First of all, very small children, preschool, daycare, before preschool, preschool before kindergarten, kindergarten before the early school years. These kids learn two or three things that are just innate parts of the social order. They learn that there's a pecking order. They learn that they have a place in that pecking order. Everyone around them, parents, siblings, teachers, the kids in their class, the kids in their social groups are role modeling for them. And their neural networks are absorbing this information at a rate that would make every computer on the planet jealous. Every kid learns so fast that there's no way you can calculate where, at what point, do they start to pick up on, wow, this is where I fit in the pecking order. I better watch out for that guy or that girl, but guess what? I might be able to pick on that one over there. And if they've actually seen bullying or they've actually seen aggressive behavior in their environment and nobody has done anything to address it, there's no moral imperative not to do it. These children are going to start exploring the boundaries of their territory. As soon as a barrier is put up, they're going to either test the boundary or they're going to respect the boundary. And the only way that's going to happen and the only way we're going to know that's going to happen is to be engaged and involved every minute of the day with these children, especially when we break this, the barrier and move them from the family unit into the social environment. That's where the very first time we need to start engaging in teaching empathy, proper inclusion, pro-social skill building, how to make a friend, how to be somewhat assertive. It's real hard to teach a three-year-old how not to be assertive because they're naturally assertive. They'll walk over and take a toy from another child, and they have no qualms about it. They think that, hey, they're playing with it. I want to play with it, so I'm just going to go take it and play with it. So we have to start establishing boundaries, and that's when we establish the boundaries and we emphasize fairness and we call out negative behavior in a very soft manner and we make sure that they understand that they have to respect the boundaries and the role modeling is no aggressiveness. We're teaching out bullying because that's where it starts. We have to teach out bullying. Now, we already know, based on your statistics, bullying is going to continue to happen, and it's going to happen more and more. And the reason it happens is because there's a lot of people who don't believe that they have the energy, the time. There's so many kids in a classroom and only so many teachers and assistants. They can't catch all of the behavior. Eventually, bullying is going to slide in, and we're going to have to understand there's ways we can address it. There's methods we can address it. There's intervention strategies we can use. Those intervention strategies are very, very 
important, but we need to do them as early as possible, as early as kindergarten, first grade, second grade. We need to start teaching a shared vision of no bullying. We need to teach that the bullying effect is really a three-legged stool, that there's always a victim, there's always a bully, and 90% of the time or higher, there's bystanders. And if a bystander doesn't believe they can intervene, there's no reason a bystander cannot find an authority figure. An authority figure has to answer to stakeholders. The stakeholders are either their bosses or the parents or somebody, but there's always those four circles, the victim bully, the bystanders around them, the authority figures and the stakeholders, and all of those people. And now we're talking about the villages raising children. All of those people are responsible for teaching that shared vision effect of bullying is not acceptable. That's where we need parental engagement. Because there's an affect in school that is damaging our society. And all you have to do, without me getting into the political morass that we're seeing uh, on the news every night, there's, a, there's a, an affect that we see all the time in every school system across the country. It's called an adverse childhood experience. And based on the numbers you said, I would tend to agree that the majority of children, if they have not been bullied or they have not been the bully, they certainly have seen it and they certainly have been the bystander. They've certainly had to experience or watch their friends be called out for it. But those are the things that we have to be aware of. The bullies, the victims, and the bystanders stand as a very, very specific group of people. And the bystanders, to me, are the key to solving bullying at the intervention level. If you teach the bystander what to do when a bully starts to act, you can stop the entire thing. And the bystander either steps in and protects the victim or the bystander goes and gets an authority figure, but we stop the bullying through the bystander. That's the number one thing that I try to teach. I don't try to teach that anybody should get violent. Uh, yes, a, a victim should always defend themselves if they have the capacity to do so, and there's nothing illegal about that. But at the end of the day, the key is the bystander. So the, what are the three things? Number one, we have to teach the shared vision that bullying is not acceptable at any level, and we start that in preschool, kindergarten, through all of the ages, all the way through high school. It doesn't matter. It needs to be stacked every year, repeated over and over and over. The shared vision needs to be shared. It needs to be emphasized. It needs to be given to the parents, and the parents need to repeat it at home. We need to understand that the adverse childhood experience does filter into the adult world. It's a problem that we can identify, and we can only solve this problem by understanding that we engage the bystander. There's no excuse for someone standing by and letting someone else get bullied. And the way we do that is we ask the bystander, would you want your friend to stand by if you're the one being bullied? Ladies and gentlemen, that was Buddy Thornton, the positive social change agent pro. He is all over social media. He's all over the Internet. He has courses that are out 
Uh, he has partnerships that are out. He has webinars that are out. Guys, go find him. Connect with him. Share a conversation with him. Watch what happens. I see KB sitting on the edge of his seat ready. Let me, okay. What was interesting, what was interesting about what you just heard Buddy Thornton say? I know it was a lot, but, and, and I want you to give us an answer through the, the lens or through the eyes of information technology, because that's definitely your lane, KB. What was interesting about what Buddy just said? There are several systems that are out there, but I use Google, and I actually take all the everything has a, um, a uh, I hate to use this word again, but those Google systems have the ability to uh, create algorithms. Those algorithms come from our our sound, and those sounds are stored in both satellites and. and satellites and uh, on your phone, they store all that information. But what we should be doing is being able to streamline what we do have. In other words, if you've got several different pieces of software, the best thing for us to do, just from a building standpoint, is ensuring ensuring that, uh, that we're understanding how those systems work directly and indirectly. That would probably be the easiest thing. We can create apps that allow us to do exactly what you're doing. Camera systems do have the ability, every camera system that's out there, especially camera systems uh, that are in the in the uh, uh, communities, the policing systems, all that stuff's tied to the FBI databases and satellite systems. But what we have to do is really understand how the, once you do, do a Google search on what the algorithm can do, and just start. Just start doing searches. Any search is good, to be honest with you. But if we're looking for anti-bullying, it's only going to give us 50% of what we're looking for. In other words, those algorithms are created by us. Uh, and the data gets, the data strands actually get, well, I, I shouldn't say data strands, I'm sorry for that word. The, the data that's on our phone gets longer. In other words, your phones will slow down and speed up based on your words and your actions. Oh, I shouldn't say actions, more your words. The easiest thing for us to do is just to embrace how those systems work and be able to tie them together. Uh, so that we're not spending a lot of money. Google services are really good. Some of the Android systems have free apps. I would encourage you to be able to streamline each system so that we don't have to pay money for systems that we're not using. That's probably the easiest thing that I would tell. But the other piece is the sky's the limit for everybody that's out there on the IT side. If you take an app and it doesn't do something for you, uh, and you want to be, if you want to be able, uh, if you want to be able to show that this system uh, uh, has the ability uh, to to, to uh, monitor your mood, yes, absolutely, it does. But again, it comes the algorithms come from the words 
that are associated. And we just have to make certain that we're not giving our freedoms away all the time by the wording or by the certain searches that are out there. I'm sorry I got long, brother. No, no, no. You're good, KB. Listen, you're, you're an American hero. All right? You, you get away with stuff like that. Listen, we outside. We out, we out here. Uh, no, buddy, I know you want to say something. <laughs> what are your takeaways for the night, gentlemen? Who wants to go first? Well, Isaiah, uh, I wanted to add one little thing. You know, we do... We do have to address bullying from one perspective. I have a program. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. My life, my voice, my passion, my choice. And the foundation of that program is teaching a child to look inside and look at their life and look at their value and understand that they don't have to answer to anyone but themselves. And as they develop their voice, one of the most important things about developing their voice is that when they face something that creates a problem or creates conflict or creates stress, they need that voice. And when you combine the inward look and you combine that voice in a bullying scenario, and then you give them the tool that they need, and that one tool being that bullies cannot stand the light of day, that your voice is your best defense to stop bullying in its tracks, that the more you expose bullying loudly and proudly, get it out there where the whole world knows, you know what, I may be a victim today, but you're a bully and I'm not going to put up with it, and everyone now knows it. The more that happens, the more these children are taught to take control of their lives, they can get beyond the bullying, they can get beyond the feeling that they can be controlled by other people. They can get beyond that adverse childhood experience and they can get to the point where they can focus on their passions and they can become functional adults. And then guess what? When the bullying faces them as an adult, they've got all the tools in the world to speak up loudly and proudly with that same voice. I will not go quietly into the night. This is me. I'm proud of being me. And I've got all the tools I need to not let you push me around. And I am just not going to let it happen. Listen, this was another impactful night. An impact education leadership. This is episode 105. I found this night where Chandry Willard and Buddy Thornton, the positive social change agent pro tonight. 